I just cannot get away from the powerful words of that song. Do you truly trust Him? Is He truly your portion? Hmm. Is He truly all that you have need of? Everything I need is found in Him. It is the season of thanksgiving. And one thing you're going to learn about me is I, I, I don't really like Sundays close to holidays. Because for some reason I have always felt pressured to preach a holiday styled sermon. But I've thrown that out the window. In times past. I'm going to preach a thankful message today. But I've thrown that out the window in times past because I don't like feeling bound. Even though I'm a bounds. I like being a bounds, but I don't like feeling bound. Until I'm bound for glory. Amen. That derailed quick. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to begin, I want to read one verse of scripture, verse 18. And it says this, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for your spirit, your power, your presence, and your anointing. God, I'm asking you right now, Lord, to anoint these lips of clay, to minister your word to your people. God, I pray that you'd anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. Father, I pray that you would not let anything proceed out of my mouth except that which is anointed and authored by you. Hide me behind the cross today, Father. God, speak to the hearts of your people. God, I pray that by the time we leave this house today, God, will be changed, will be challenged for the glory and the kingdom of God. And Father, we'll give you the praise and the glory for everything that's done. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he said in verse 18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Taking things for granted has become a problem in everyday life. Many people have reached a place where they think certain things are owed to them. We've become an entitled generation. Or an entitled world, if you will. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall or before stumbling, the New American Standard says. This is the attitude of thinking that you're better than or above something happening to you or to us. But the bottom line is simply this. Every person in this room today, we deserve to end up in hell. But for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us have done anything, nor can we do anything good enough to deserve the level of love, the level of grace, and the level of mercy that has been extended to us. It is, because of our, it is not because of our greatness, but because of His gracefulness that we are extended the provision, the power, and the promise. 
I want us to look at this today. Let me go back to this verse of Scripture real quick. You've heard me say this before. You can read the Bible or you can read the Bible. Sometimes we sit down and read the Bible and we just read it so we feel good about reading it and we just skim over the words and we get up and know better than what we were when we sat down. But it's those moments when we take in every single word of the verse that God begins to speak to our heart. Now if I can preach for about 30 minutes on God is, like I did from Psalms 46 a few weeks ago, then I can surely preach on about 30 minutes on something else. Amen? Look at this text again. Verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now the first thing I want you to look at is the very first word in that verse of Scripture, the word in. Many times we confuse that with the word for. We think that we have to give thanks for everything. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, Preacher, I can't give thanks for everything because some things are just not good. Some things that happen are bad. He didn't say give thanks for everything. He said, but in everything give thanks what is the difference you don't say God I thank you that I fell flat on my face today hello somebody God you don't say God I thank you that when I was trying to accomplish this project it was a complete disaster you don't say that I don't say that none of us will say that if we're in our right mind but he didn't say for everything. He said in everything. What does that mean? Well, in the midst of the situation, I fell flat on my face. I'm not thanking God that I fell flat on my face. But in it, I'm going to thank him that I had the ability to get back up again. I think I'm going to preach today. I don't thank God that everything I touched was destroyed or it was, it was a path of destruction or it failed, but I thank God that in it He continued to give me the wisdom and the knowledge and the know-how to finally get it right. Find something in whatever you're in and whatever you're walking through to give thanks unto God. You may say, well, I'm in the midst of a battle. I'm in the heat of the fire. I'm in a storm right now. Give thanks to God that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, but I'll be with you every step of the way. God has not left us comfortless. In everything, give thanks. Now, you don't have to look real hard to find something to be thankful for. And if you do, you're too picky. I thank God I woke up today. I thank God I still got air in my lungs. I thank God I can still assemble together with you to worship Him. I thank God I'm still living in a free country. Hello, somebody. Look for something. I thank God for salvation. I thank God that he walks with me and he talks with me. I thank God. Hello, somebody. In everything, give. find something to thank God for. Just right now, in the middle of this sermon, where you're sitting, find something in your life to right now throw your hands up and to give thanks to God for. Come on, church. Find something to give thanks to God for. 
He said, I picture everything in my life falling apart. Thank him anyway. Because he's a God that comes by and picks up the pieces and puts them back together. Help me, Jesus. In everything, give thanks. Semicolon. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We got people wandering around like a goose in a snowstorm. Going, well, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I do is to give thanks. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I do is give thanks. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will. You want to know what God's will is for your life? To be thankful. Not to be ungrateful. To have an attitude of gratitude. You say, well, preacher, things are not good right now. They could be worse. We've become a spoiled people. Because we're not comfortable with the way things are. We don't like the way they are. We don't want to think. Have be thankful for what we got. Hello, somebody. But the reality of it is, if a storm came your way and wiped out every material possession you have in that moment of devastation, in that moment of tragedy, you still have something to thank God for. Because I'm telling you, there's not a storm, there's not a fire, there's not a tragedy, there's not anything that can rob you of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation of your soul. In everything, he said, give thanks. I'll be honest with you, there's some days I have to search for some things. It don't come as easily as it does other days. But I want to talk to you this morning about some things the church ought to be thankful for. Some things the church ought to be thankful for. The provision. The word provision is the act or process of providing. The face or state of being prepared beforehand. A measure taken beforehand to deal with a need or contingency. It's about preparation. We don't serve a God that's unprepared. It don't matter how unprepared we are. God's always prepared. Paul informed us that we were all in need of a Savior. Unable of saving or helping ourselves. And in that moment, God said, I got a plan. You see, I preached last Sunday about the Garden of Eden. And I talked to you about how when Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden, it was a beautiful place and everything was great until sin entered the picture. God knew from the foundation of time what was going to happen. God knew from the foundation of time that he was going to need to have a plan. Come on, church. This other preacher, how do you know that? Because the book of Revelation talks to us about Jesus being the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. God did not say universe exists without a plan. 
God did not create the heavens and the earth and for man in his image and his likeness without a plan. He knew that humanity was going to fail. He knew that humanity was going to need a savior. Thus Jesus became the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Now I don't know about you, but I can say today that I thank God that he looked ahead in time and in Genesis 1 and 1 when the scripture said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He knew that a boy would be born in 1975 and somewhere down through his life he would come to hear the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and he would fall on his face and repent of his sins. You have a story just like I've got a story. I thank God today for the provision of salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ who stood in my place. We got some things to be thankful for. You say, well, preacher, the church world's under attack. They're trying everything they can to shut us down. That's fine. They tried that in 2020. Hello. I know you don't want to talk about COVID. But it was a trial run. Believe what you want to believe. Don't you call me a conspiracy theorist. It was a trial run. No more in-house gatherings. We'll stop them from gathering together. We'll stop them from meeting. So you know what we did? Instantly overnight, we all became televangelists. I bet you didn't know I could preach on my head. Church I was pastor at the time, we didn't even have live stream up and going. We pre-recorded our first service. This is terrible. I had no knowledge. I was dumb. I was ignorant to how to do this stuff. Lord, it's going out on live stream. <laughs> Thank God for advancements. We pre-recorded the service. In the middle, and I said, all I know to do is just go through it like we would on a regular service. We went through the service. And my aunt called and knocked the recording out. I forgot to put it in airplane mode. I wasn't on an airplane. I didn't see the need for it. Brother Moore, we had to start all over. That was the best introduction I've ever preached because I got to preach it twice in the same night. I had it perfected by the second time around. We had everything great. Everything pre-recorded. Praise God. Got it uploaded. We got a Facebook premiere going on. Sunday morning, everybody logs in. Our video comes on. And we are as upside down as upside down can be. My hand before the Lord, I'm telling you the truth. People are texting us, flip the camera, turn the camera. They thought we were live. We're like, y'all don't know we did this on Thursday night. I know where to shout and say amen at. We did this on Thursday night. Brother, I was so exasperated. I was so flabbergasted. I said, it won't be this way come next Sunday. I called every preacher under the age of 40 I knew. And I said, tell me what you're doing. Tell me what you're using. It's got to be cheap because I'm cheap and I don't want to spend no money. By the next Sunday, we could have been on TV in. 
Because we were preaching right side up. But they pushed us out of the building. And then we, we graduated from being televangelists to having some parking lot church. I preached about three Sundays on a flatbed trailer competing with a skill saw right down the road. I'd take a breath and I could hear I don't know what he was building. I hope he got it built. But it was a trial run to try to stop us from gathering together. It was a trial run to see if they could shut the church down. But what they did not realize is that the church is not brick and mortar. We are not a building. We are a people that we can assemble together anywhere and everywhere and be in the presence of God. I don't need this building. I don't need your house. Get with me on aisle 17 by the dish soap in Walmart and let's shout the glory down. You don't have to be assembled in an edifice that we call the church. We are the body of Christ. I thank God for salvation. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. The provisions he's made for us. Let me tell you what else I'm thankful for. I'm also thankful for the fact that it's not just for those who have already experienced salvation, but it's still available today. I'm thankful for the provision of salvation. Let me tell you, that's not the only thing he's made provision for. He also made provision for the power. I'm thankful for the power of the good Holy Ghost. If you did not know, let me help you. We are a Pentecostal church. We are a Pentecostal group of believers. We believe in speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Hello, somebody. Don't you get quiet on me now. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be wide witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. Even to the remotest or uttermost parts of the earth. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit. He was given to us to empower us to do ministry. To be a witness. The power has been promised to each and every one of us who desire to have it. And to operate in it. Now listen. I'm going to be controversial for just a moment. Y'all have never known me to do that. But there's some people who like to say, well, pastor, you don't have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to go to heaven. And I think you do. And that's true. There's only one requirement, and it's salvation. But I've come to learn, and I know I'm still working to get up there with some of you, but I've come to learn that I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I need Him every day in my life, walking with me and talking with me, operating in me and through me. I need Him. But some people want to use the, the, the saying, well, you don't have to have it to go to heaven as a scapegoat because they don't want to get any further in the game. They don't want to get any closer to God. They don't want to be more, more involved in what God wants them to do. But if you ever get in a position where you've got to confront a devil 
and cast the devil out of somebody, you better have some power. Hello, somebody. You better hear what I'm telling you today. We need more people in the church who says, I want everything God's got for me. I don't want to just barely get by. I don't want just a little dab do ya. No, I want to get everything. I want the power. Acts chapter 2, the power was dispatched. I love this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one mind and in one accord in a place that we called the upper room. Right? They were instructed to tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Now why is this important? Because they were anticipating something. But they had no idea what they were anticipating. They had no record or history to tell them what to expect. They had no idea how it would be ushered in. They had no idea what it would look like, what it would sound like, what it would feel like. They had nothing to point back to and say, that's what I'm looking for. Hello, somebody. But they tarried until... I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. But I have made up my mind. I am not leaving until I get the power. Kind of the attitude they had. And all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven. As of a mighty rushing wind. And the Bible described this setting as this mighty rushing wind filling all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. I thank God for the power of Pentecost. I thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you, it wasn't just for the apostles of old. It didn't die out in the New Testament. It wasn't just for the forefathers of the early church. But in 2022, it is still available to the church of the living God today. All you got to do is ask. Subsequent to a clean heart. Hello. We in the church of God believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Subsequent to a clean heart. What does that mean? Got to be saved first. Because he's not going to dwell in an unclean temple. Don't get mad at the mailman. I just put the letter in the box. That's what your Bible says. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because he is a guide who teaches us all things. He is one, I said it Wednesday night, He is the paracletos or the paraclete, one who is called alongside of us to help. He is the one who will walk with us and talk with us. He is one who gives us wisdom. I love this part. He is the one that when we don't know how to answer or what to say, the scripture literally says He will give us the words to say, I don't know about you, but I cannot live every day of my life without the resident power of the Holy Ghost in operation. We should be a church that is thankful for the power of Pentecost. 
I just got an itch on me I need to scratch. There has been such a lack of preaching on the power of the Holy Ghost in churches that it has almost become a foreign topic and subject to most people. I'm just telling you right here and now, I feel an itch to preach it. So coming soon, you better get ready. I'm going to preach a series. And I'm going to expect some folks to be baptized in the fire. Now that don't mean we're going to set a fire and put them in it. Like we baptize them in water, it just means they're going to receive the fire of Pentecost, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Hello, somebody. We still believe in that. I, I told a church a few years ago, I said, as long as there's air in my lungs, as long as I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, every child, every young person, they will hear the message of Pentecost. They will know that it is still for today. They will know that it is available to them. They will have an opportunity to experience what God's given to me. Give thanks for your salvation. Give thanks for the power of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us all things. I love it because He can give me insight to things that I don't even have knowledge of. My Lord God. He can tell me about something before I even need to know it. Hello, somebody. The reality of it is, there's not anything that the Spirit can't do. Because He is the third member of the triune Godhead. Listen. The disciples had Jesus in His physical body walking with them every step of the way. We don't have Jesus with us in the physical walking with us every day. In the physical. But we do have the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason He was sent to us. To bring us comfort. That's what Jesus did to the disciples. He comforted them. Now listen. For those that say, well, preacher, I don't have to have the Holy Ghost. Let me go back to that for just a minute. If you'll read your Bible very carefully, in Luke chapter 4, verse number 1, Matthew chapter 4 also records this same story. It was when Jesus was led up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I had somebody tell me, said, well, it wasn't really the devil that tempted him. I said, really? Well, what does your Bible say? Hello? But Luke chapter 4 verse 1's account says this. Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Now let me just say this. If Jesus needed to be full of the Holy Spirit, I know I need it. Hello somebody. I know I need it. I know I need it. We need churches today. Who are operating in the power of Pentecost. In the power of the Holy Spirit. We need believers who are in tune with the Spirit before you get to church. While you're at your house, you need to be in tune with the Spirit. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful today that it still remains. It has not been withheld from the church. This is a church that was born with fire and should continue to operate with fire today. Jesus said it like this. It is expedient that I go away. 
The word expedient there literally means it's advantageous. Because if I do not go, the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come. But when I go, the Spirit will come. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the power to operate today. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite from. Anybody remember J.J. Walker? Dynamite. Some of y'all. Brother, you know who I'm talking about. Help me feel better right here. Oh, J.J. would walk around. Dynamite! We need some Christians walking around with some dynamite! With some dunamis power! I, I, I preached something about Dunamis one time and, and I mentioned J.J. Walker just like I did and I had this man in my church he come by me he said pastor I changed your ringtone on my phone he said every time you every time you call me it's J.J. going dynamite <laughs> but it's the power the word power is dunamis it's, it's explosive power can I just tell you that when an explosion happens, it attracts attention. It gets somebody excited to know what happened. Oh, believe me. I was sitting on the couch last night and I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. Drew was at work. My, my wife and girls are in Louisiana. And her mom and dad's. And so I was sitting there by myself and I had my iPad and my lap and I was looking at something. And, and, and I was talking to him on the phone. And, and all of a sudden I heard this loud pop. Sound like a gun go off. I said, man, that sounded like it was in a church parking lot. And it piqued my interest. So much so that I got up and I began to look out windows to see what might have happened. Because it attracted my attention. It's just like the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit hits a church, it will attract attention. When a church is functioning and operating in the given power of the Holy Spirit, people are going to take notice and they are going to want to be a part of it. I ought not tell this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. There was a church that was on fire. Literal fire. It was burning. And one of the deacons was trying to move the piano out of the church to keep it from burning. And he looked up and he found the town bomb on the other end of the piano from him trying to help him. And the deacon looked at the town bomb and he said, Why would you come here now to help move the furniture out of the church? You ain't never darkened the door of the church before. And that town bomb looked at that deacon he said, The first time church has been on fire, brother. I'm just telling you, when the power of the Holy Ghost hits the house, it's going to attract some tension. People are going to want to know what's going on. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. Let's move on. We've got the provision. We've got the power. But the other thing we ought to be thankful for is the promise. The promise. What is the promise? That we ain't got to stay here. Listen. When the government was talking about a bailout plan and an exit strategy, I thought, I already know the best bailout plan and the best exit strategy known to humanity. It's called the rapture of the church. John chapter 4, verse 14, verses 1 through 3. 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This wasn't a might or a maybe. He said, I will come again. And can I just tell you today that he still is going to come again. Let me talk to you about the promise. Heaven is a prepared place. Agreed? We talked about provision two points ago. And provision is about preparation. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He is preparing our place. But heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Nobody is just going to wake up one day and go, well, I made it to heaven. I didn't know I was going to end up here. I'm just telling you the truth. Nobody is going to be shocked that they made it. Hello, somebody. You say, preacher, you don't believe somebody's going to be shocked? Now, you may be shocked some others made it. But you're not going to be shocked that you made it. Because if you're wavering in doubt whether or not you're going to make it, I can just tell you, you ain't going to make it. That's not unkind, that's truth. Because we have the ability to be sure that we know, that we know, that we know that we're saved. Hello, somebody. It is a prepared place for a prepared people. He is preparing it for people who have made preparation to go there. Repented of their sins. Accepted his death and the shed blood for the remission of their sins. That have striven the best that they can to live a holy life before him. Nobody's going to get there by accident. Hello somebody. I have arrived in places by accident. What did we ever do before GPS? We printed off 48 pages of MapQuest. That's what we did. But I got to think about this the other day. I was driving down the road and my GPS was telling me, turn here, turn here. You know how they do. I make a U-turn because you missed your turn. Make you... Shut up, lady. But I got to thinking about this and I thought, you know, I have ended up in some places by accident. I was headed there, but... I made some wrong turns, but I still found my way to where I was going by accident. But heaven's not that way. You're not going to get there by accident. You have to make preparation to get there. You have to be prepared for heaven. But the good news is, if you're not prepared today, you can still prepare because you have time. Listen to what, listen to what the Scripture says. It's the greatest kidnapping ever known to man. Do you hear what I said? It's going to be the greatest kidnapping ever known to man because the father's going to kidnap his kids. Whew. Some of you need an imagination. Y'all looking at me like, what is he talking about? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed. The King James says ignorant. I tell people all the time, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. I'm ignorant to some things. 
There's nothing wrong with being ignorant. That's not a negative connotation. It's not a negative word. To be ignorant just means you haven't learned something. But now you have the capacity because you've realized that you're ignorant to something. You have the capacity to learn something. Some people choose to stay ignorant. Because they don't want to learn something. Don't be them. The New American Standard says, We don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as the rest of those who have no hope. For we believe if Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, I'm not looking for Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. I'm not looking for the apostle Paul. I'm not looking for any of the, the disciples. I'm not looking for any of the patriarchs of old. But I am looking for one who is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. For the Bible says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now that's the dead in Christ in the grave. Not those in the church. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all got to listen to the live stream to catch that. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. I don't know about you, but I got some loved ones that's going to make that journey before me. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Look at what he says. Then we who are alive and remain will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's get it. And so shall we always, always. I don't know about you, but if there's anything I have to be thankful for, it's that when the trumpet sounds, I shall always be with the Lord. Always. Then he said, comfort one another with these words. This shouldn't bring us great harm or should not scare us, but it should comfort us. But he didn't stop there. I read over in the book of Revelation, the 19th chapter. Beginning in verse number 11. And I saw heaven open. And behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses. Clothed in fine linen. White and clean. My blessed God. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword. That with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Be of good cheer, church. Thank God for the rapture. Thank God for the promise. 
And when we go and he comes back, guess who's coming with him? Saddle on that horse. I'm going to be in that number. Hello, somebody. I said, I'm coming with him. What are you saying to me, preacher? Here's what I'm simply trying to tell you today. The provision puts us in position to receive the power, and the power keeps us for the pending promise. You ought to write that down. The provision of salvation puts us in position to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit keeps us for the pending promise of the rapture. We have been given the provision of the Lamb. The power of Pentecost, the promise of His return. We as the church should be thankful for these promises. And it should be our mission to express our gratitude for the provision, the power, and the promise by communicating with everyone we can in an effort to win them for Jesus Christ. Listen, there's so many other things we have to be thankful for. As the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. If two or three agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, I'll be in your midst. There's a lot of things we have to be thankful for. I could preach this from now till Jesus comes back because we have plenty to be thankful for. But I'm just telling you today, I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps me because it's keeping me on the right track to get to the promise, the fulfillment of the rapture of the church. I still believe. Listen, I grew up in church. I told somebody the other day, I said, I've been in church 47 years and nine months. I remember growing up in church, and I, and I use this term very, very respectfully. I remember the old-time preachers, the old-timers. Man, they'd preach heaven so sweet and hell so hot. Man, I got saved 14 times in the same month. Every time there was an altar call, I'd answer it, sometimes twice in the same night. I wanted to make sure I was going. What am I talking about? I grew up in the church. I grew up with preachers of old preaching. Jesus is coming back. The rapture of the church is at hand. Jesus is about to take us home. They preached it with such fervency and such power and such, a, such anointing that I didn't ever think I'd turn 16 years old. I'll tell you the truth. I made 16. I thought I'll never see 21. My God, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I hit 21, I said, I'll never get married. I'll never have children. I, these are things that went through my mind because of the way preachers preach this in the pulpit. They fully believe with everything in them that they were standing on the threshold and the cusp of the Lord Jesus Christ stepping out of the clouds of glory. Brother, I, I remember thinking I'll never see these events, these milestones in my life. I'll never see them because Jesus is coming back. Now, when 1999 rolled around, everybody thought the world was ending. Y2K. Hello, somebody. I don't know what you did, but I, I moved the date back on my computer a few years so it wouldn't crash when uh, the year 2000 rolled over. Because that's all we heard. The world was coming to an end. We, you know, the, the infrastructure's not set up for this, right? Anybody heard that? Did y'all hear that in Oklahoma? Okay. But here's what I'm telling you. I 
I grew up listening to preachers preach the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ like that. Some of those preachers that I heard preach like that are dead and gone today. They are in their reward. And I have been left behind. And I'm telling you with everything that is on the inside of me that in 2022, I still believe with everything I have that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. I don't care what the world looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care who the next president is. Jesus is still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. His word is still true. It shall not pass away. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. Stand with me all over this house. He's coming again. I said, He's coming again. Shout it and tell everybody Jesus is coming again. My Lord God.